Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. How do I know God will keep his promises? How do I know that God will do what he promised to do? How do I know he will provide? How do I know I'm going to really go to a place that I've never seen called heaven? How do I know he's going to bring healing and restoration when I need it? How do I know he's going to lead me and guide me? How do I know he's going to lead and guide and watch over and protect my children? How do I know? How do I know? That's a very relevant question for you and for me. I think it's a good question. In a word, I'll answer the question with the word covenant. Say covenant. Come on online. Covenants. A covenant is a pledge. It's a treaty. It's an agreement. It's a contract. And this is one of the most important words in the Bible. Appearing more than 250 times in the Old Testament and at least another 50 in the New Testament. A covenant is made between a king and his people. A covenant can be made between one tribe and another tribe. A covenant can be made, obviously, between God and his people. And that's what we're looking at as we're studying covenant. The greatest covenant in the Old Testament was the Abrahamic covenant, where God made a covenant with a man named Abram. And if you study this out, It's the foundation for Israel's relationship with God. And I could say we've been grafted in. It's our foundation for our relationship with God. Some theologians and some scholars would say, and I agree, that all other Bible promises are based and rooted in this Abrahamic covenant. And we're going to unpack that. We're going to study that. And that's why we're in a series across all three of our campuses on our online service as well that we're calling Under Contract. And the subtitle is Understanding Our Covenant, Our Agreement with God Through Christ. I want to share a testimony, live testimony, real life, from Joe Helms. He attends our TKK campus. He comes and he leads worship here on occasion. He said, our little girl Ellie struggled for so long with croup, C-R-O-U-P. Croup is a type of respiratory infection. It's usually caused by a virus. Parents, you understand. It interferes with normal breathing, and it produces this horrible symptom like a barking, cough, and trouble breathing. And Joe said, over a span of just 12 months, she had croup eight times, and it was bad. 
He said, there was no sign of it leaving or getting better. It wasn't easy to see my little girl taking so many steroids to reduce this issue. I was praying for every night, he said. I was speaking healing and wholeness and restoration over her. But nothing seemed to be working until. He said, I had a very dear friend of mine give a teaching that included this phrase. Remember... That the devil is not God's opposite. His opposite would be Gabriel or Michael because he was an angel. God has no opposite. There is no other on his level. Can you say amen? As a result of this fresh revelation Joe had, he said, I started two things. One, I started praying through the lens that true authority belongs to God and Jesus Christ alone, and I'm a recipient of that authority. Two, taking communion every morning and never forgetting the true sacrifice of what Jesus did. As I did those two things, Ellie's croup vanished. Isn't that good news? He just began to pray from a different perspective. And then he began to do something like taking communion, which, by the way, is a celebratory time to refresh ourselves in the promises of God and the victory that we have in Christ and his broken body and his shed blood. And Joe says, you see, God is not in a battle with darkness. He already won that battle. And the more we realize it, the more we find out that believers do not fight for victory, believers fight from victory. Can somebody say amen? So let that be a reminder to us. And I would also say this, be reminded that the Bible's full of healing promises. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Jeremiah thirty seventeen. God forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Psalm 103, 3. For I am the Lord who heals you. Exodus 15, 26. Listen to this. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destruction. Psalm 107, 20. The Bible says that you and I are to imitate, say imitate, You know what that means, right? We are to imitate those who through faith and patience or endurance inherit the promises. There's so many other promises in the Bible, and God wants you and I to learn how to inherit them. Do yourself a favor. Don't limit the blood of Jesus to just the promise of heaven. Amen. There's so much that God wants to do in and through your life. Our series text, if I can say that, has been Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Now keep in mind, as I read this, this is a writer encouraging Christian believers to, to keep their faith. He's encouraging them by reminding them that God is faithful to his word. When God made a promise, he doubled down on his promise and he made an oath and he sealed it in blood in a covenant so that humans, Abraham specifically, would believe the promises that God was making to him. And it says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, that would include us as well, 
the unchangeable character of his purpose. Listen, he guaranteed it, his promise, with an oath. Now, if you study this out in Genesis 12 through 22, God cuts a blood covenant with Abraham. We looked at that last week, and that's kind of the premise of this series. Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things, what are the two unchangeable things? His promise and his covenant. His promise and his oath. His promise and his guarantee. By those two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge, protection, deliverance, covering, salvation, for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope, confident, joyful expectation. That's what that word hope means set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And if you read all of this, it's talking about how Jesus is that ultimate covenant. Jesus and what he did for us is our ultimate hope, our ultimate anchor. And we can be confident in what God says because of our covenant with him through Jesus. This series is designed to help you and I understand covenant. It's designed to help us to begin to read our Bibles and realize that God is a God of covenant. The more revelation, let me use that word, the more spiritual insight you have of this topic, the more confidence and the more real covenant will be to you. As this happens, the promises you will experience coming to pass in your life will increase. And that's why we have three resources. And I just want to remind us, one of them is this, very thorough, very thought through study guide. If you don't have one, you can download it. We've got copies in the back. Each week you've got lessons. And there's a ton of cross-reference scriptures, scriptures for your own study. You know, I'm talking to Pastor Gil, our senior pastor. When he and his brother first designed this series, it was 22 messages. 22. This is a, this is a deep subject. And we, we've had to boil it down to 10. And that's still a lot of messages. But I just want to make sure you don't miss out. So grab one of these. The second uh, resource I want to make sure you know we have available. We have a book. It's called God Swears to Keep His Promises. And that word swore and swears is all throughout Hebrews. God swore in blood to keep his promises. So if you don't have one of these, uh, we sold five of them last week here. I've got two more real ones right with me. Hard copy. They're $13 each. This is a good read. We don't have time to go through 22 lessons. You're going to catch stuff in this as a supplement that we're not going to be able to cover this morning in a four-hour message. Just kidding. You guys, you didn't get that. You're still asleep. So get this if you haven't already. God swears. By the way, it's also on Kindle. If, if you're not a hardback guy, we got it on Kindle as well. Here's the third resource. I don't have it to physically hold with you or up to you. And this is a resource. Connect group. Connect group is a resource. It's a resource where you can connect with other people and you can talk deeper about the things that we're going through in this lesson. You can ask questions in a safe place. You can learn and you can catch insight from other people as they're sharing. So you can jump in a connect group. There's a bunch of them online. We have one on Wednesday night here. We have one on Saturday mornings uh, at a coffee house in Lowell. So 
Just jump in a connect group, get a resource, get a study. Why is that important? Because as followers, we're not just pew warmers, amen? We are becoming disciples. Can somebody say amen, right? We want to become followers of Jesus. And what I've learned over about 26, 27 years of following Christ, uh, it's going to take reading and reviewing and reading and reviewing and studying, right, Billy? And, and, and meditating on this thing. I love Psalm 1. It says, the, the man or the woman of God have a delight in the word of God. And in that word, they meditate day and night. Here's the promise. And they shall be, because of their meditating in the word and the scriptures and the promises day and night, they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither. And whatever he or she does in the Lord shall prosper. Amen. So digging and meditating and studying and reading and going through the things are what really anchors these truths uh, down deep on the inside. Genesis 15, 9 and 10. We saw last week where God was reminding Abram about what he had promised. God had promised Abraham to make his name great, to be a blessing to him. To bless those who blessed him, to curse those who cursed him, to multiply his descendants, and to give him what's known as the promised land. God promised Abraham all of those things in Genesis chapter 12. But like you and I, by the way, that's covenant talk. God was coming, I want to make a covenant with you. And we see that between 12 and 22, chapters 12 and 22. And so Abraham, like you and I, he says, but God... How will I know? How will I know you're going to keep your promises? How will I know we'll inherit the land? And so on and so forth. Genesis 15, 9 through 10. This is where it's like, wow, our, our Western mind goes tilt. God said to him, bring me a small cow, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. All of you gun owners are like, yeah, target practice. No, no, no. That's not what he was talking about. Verse 10, and Abram brought all of these. Now, this is where it gets strange to you and I. It says that Abram cut them in half. Think about the blood, the stench, the mess. I don't know if you've ever maybe field dressed a deer or wild game. Uh, I did a jackrabbit, you know, when I was a kid, I shot jackrabbits in the riverbed and I won't, well, I guess I, you know, I like food. I fried them and I baked them and I ate them. Tastes like chicken. How many of you heard that before? So Abraham cuts these animals in half and he laid them out. But he didn't cut the birds in half. Now, most of us would be like, what was that all about? But it's interesting. God said, bring these animals. And Abraham knew what to do. God cut a covenant with Abraham. And Abraham was open to it. He walked into it knowing this is what God wants to do. And this is the premise of the blood covenant. And we're going to look at that throughout the next couple of weeks. And last week, we started talking about the things that blood covenant involves. And there's four parts that blood covenant involves. The covenant terms, the covenant length, the covenant site where it takes place, and the covenant representative or the contract, all the different parts of the contract. And we started talking about, if you remember, the nine 
ceremonial commitments of blood covenant. And we just looked at the first one last week. And if you missed that, you can get the podcast. Today, I want to continue talking about the anatomy or the different parts of the blood covenant. So this is the second part. Once we have a broad commitment in blood, because we talked about the trail of blood last week, the next part of this ceremony is the exchange of coats. Come on, say exchange of coats. You give me your coat, and I give you mine. Here's something that's very, very uh, relevant. Think of exchange of coats as resources being exchanged. Resources, say resources, okay? So your ceremonial coat represented who you are, and it represented what you had your resources. So passing this to another and exchanging them was considered in covenant a legal transfer of position, of power, of prestige, of authority, of wealth. And when you did that, one representative would say to the other, all that I am now belongs to you. Your needs are my needs. My resources are available to you. And when you see this in the Bible taking place, like when God came to Abraham, you're going to begin to identify, man, this is what's happening. There's covenant exchange that takes place here. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, I want you to think about this. God says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, or the word says, listen, my soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. You know, Jesus took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. That's a covenant exchange. We're clothed in a robe of righteousness and garments of salvation. Isaiah 61.3. I don't know if you ever caught this before. The Bible says that God gives his people the garment of praise in exchange for a spirit of heaviness. You ever felt heavy, like just something's drooping on you, something of the spirit. And when we begin to praise and we begin to worship, God exchanges that. And he gives us this garment of salvation. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, this is a powerful verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Don't get all tied up in money. It includes providing for your needs. But this is the greatest exchange of coats that has ever taken place in all of the history of the world. God gave you Jesus and he took your sin. And everything that Jesus has now has become accessible to you. Amen. That's covenant exchange. It's powerful when we begin to recognize that. So that's, that's something that we have to recognize. That's one of the ceremonial aspects or parts or one of the parts of the anatomy of this covenant exchange. The next thing I want to look at is the exchange of weapons belt. The weapons belt. Here's a relevant way to look at that. You can say protection and help with battles. Come on, how many of you would be okay if God steps in to protect you and to help you with battles? Amen. In the Bible times, this would have been things like a sword, 
a shield, a knife, arrows, bow, and a spear, for example. And the representatives would say something like this in in the way of a covenant promise. Listen, I will never use my weapons against you. Only in your defense. Your enemies are now my enemies. And when someone attacks you, they're attacking me also. God stands behind you in that regard. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. It's all throughout the scripture. Listen. For though we walk in the flesh in this human existence, we are not waging war according to the flesh, our human abilities. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not human, but have divine God-like power to destroy strongholds. Can somebody say, yes, God, right? There's that weapons belt, right? So we have these divine weapons. What are they? The blood of Jesus to start. It's the word of God. It's the promises of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's brothers and sisters in Christ. It's praise. It's worship. It's pressing in. These become weapons in the spiritual realm, and we use them like Jesus did in the midst of a battle, and we back the enemy off. Amen. God's given us these weapons to use. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. If you're familiar with the scripture, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Listen, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Why? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, not against humans, not against earthly forces, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, In the heavenly places, the unseen spiritual realms, verse 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Can somebody say amen? And I don't have time this morning, but if you continue to read that, verses 14 through 18 lists all of the divine weapons that God has given to you and I as the believers to do battle against the enemy. Can somebody say amen? So there's this exchange. We, we now have access, think about it, to divine weapons that we didn't have access to before we came into this covenant relationship with God. This is why till the day we go to heaven, we're going to encourage you to be in the word. We're going to encourage you to become a self-feeder. We're going to encourage you to discover what the scripture says about Jesus and what the scripture says about you in Jesus and what the scripture says about your victory in Jesus. Don't be a pew warmer. Amen. Be a follower, a disciple. So you, you have this weapons belt that's available. Pastor Robert, but how, how do I use that? Well, let me give you a practical example. We got any moms in the house? Got any moms watching on Facebook? Has there ever been a day when your kid just gets on your last nerve? 
I know you love them, but let's just be honest, right? Sometimes you just get on your last nerve, right? And, and our first inclination, mom, is to kind of respond in the flesh, to respond with your natural tendencies, whatever that looked like, you know? Uh, I, won't, I won't tell you what my mom did sometimes. We won't go there, but moms, you know what it feels like sometimes. You just want to respond in a less than God-like way. Right? So, so what's a weapon that you can pull? Right? So you got to remember, in Christ, you have the Word of God. That's a weapon. And not just the Bible, but a very specific Word from God in the Bible. For example, the fruit of the Spirit. What the fruit of the Spirit produces is love. This is something that the Holy Spirit manifests, produces in your life in the moment when you want to act out on your child. If you just pause and you lean into the Spirit for a moment, He's going to give you that weapon of the Word called the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, somewhere in there. And instead of now responding in your flesh, the Holy Spirit's going to come up on the inside of you And you're going to respond appropriately out of the love of God, out of the wisdom of God, out of the peace of God, out of the grace of God. And the Holy Spirit will help you to bring correction to that child in that moment. Right? So that's a very, very relevant thing. What do women do? What do moms do who don't have God? Who don't have the the exchange of the weapon belt? What do they do? They just do the best they can. They pull their hair out and they act from the flesh. Moms, you don't have to do that because you've got a weapon belt available to you because of your covenant exchange with God. Can you say amen? So here's the fourth thing I want us to look at is the walk of blood. The walk of blood. It might kind of sound, sound, might sound kind of strange, but in this covenant, the representatives would walk in the blood. They would walk through it. And the walk of blood, very relevant. It symbolized that I'm committed forever. It's the life that's in the blood. And so the representatives, they've got the, the, the exchange of the coats and they've got the exchange of the weapons and they would walk in the blood, sometimes in a figure eight, representing infinity, representing forever. And they would say something like this, a covenant promise. If I break this covenant, then let what was done to this animal be done to me. And so it was a very, very serious thing to be in blood covenant. Think about it this way. It's a forever commitment. Did you know that God is forever committed to you, friend? I love Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. It says this. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Have you ever been in a crunch financially? Just us? I think we all have. I mean, I don't know about you, but we have. When we first got married, uh, it's worth sharing again. You know, Yolanda had a convertible BMW. Why? Leather interior, heated seats, bucket, purred when she drove down the road. I knew she was coming, right? 
I had a nice Buick. I was selling real estate. She was working for a company that was doing pretty good. Not too long after we got married, things changed. Impacted us financially. I was young, not as wise. I didn't pay all of my taxes. One thing led to another. We owed $13,000 to the IRS. Don't know where I'm going to get that from. We had credit card debt. Don't know how we're going to pay that. We had a house payment now. Our income was impacted. We got behind. Creditors were calling us, crying on the phone. Don't know how we're going to make ends meet. Tempted to take another job and miss Sundays. Tempted to file bankruptcy. Man, I leaned in. We leaned into the word. We leaned into God. We, we leaned into learning and growing to stay committed to God, to keep him first and just to rely on his faithfulness and his, and his ability to provide for us and give us wisdom and surround us with people who loved us and would encourage us. And little by little by little, we begin to get out of debt. $50,000 of unsecured debt for a 24, 25-year-old guy, that was a lot of dough. A lot of money. And uh, God delivered us. We paid all that debt. We didn't go under. We lost the BMW. I was really, really, one of these days, maybe we'll get you another one, honey. Not a new one. Not a new one. <laughs> I'll probably never buy a new car again. Amen. I mean, I got a travel trader. I like to pull it with a nice truck, but they're like 60 grand. I don't think that will ever happen. So what is the point? The point is God will never leave you. Nor forsake you, Matthew. He's got you covered. There's this covenant exchange. And it's so important you just lay hold of that. Remember, this is all based on the blood of Jesus. And we're going to unpack that. And as we go forward, we're going to see how all of those dots are connected and how that impacts our life. Once the blood has been exchanged and mingled, there was some kind of agent that sometimes was inserted into wherever they may have cut themselves in this blood covenant that they stepped into if they cut themselves so that it would show a scar. And that, and that leads us to the fifth element of this covenant cutting ceremony. It would be called the cutting or the scarring of the flesh. And what was, what was this all about? This is relevant. Covenant proof. Covenant proof. Once the vows were exchanged, each party would cut themselves, their wrists or their right hand. They'd press their flesh together so that their blood was mingled. I don't suggest that today. Amen. Thank God for his blood covenant. But, but the representatives would make a covenant promise and they would swear, swear like this. I swear in my own blood to uphold the terms of this agreement. As our blood now mingles, we are joined together as one. You are in me and I am in you. Doesn't that sound familiar? Amen. In the Old Testament, if you study it out, the men of Israel, the head of the household, the covenant representative, they were required by God in this covenant to be circumcised. And this was covenant proof that they were God's people. 
And we don't need to do that anymore because we've moved to a better covenant through Jesus. But let me just share this. The act of circumcision was required as a sign of the covenant to establish their relationship with God through Abraham. And this had at least two significant symbols. Number one, the cutting away of the foreskin spoke of the cutting away of fleshly or human dependence. And number two, their hope for their future posterity and prosperity was not to rest on their own ability. Circumcision was a statement that their confidence from this point forward was being placed in God, in God's truth, in God's promises, and in God's faithfulness to bring them to pass rather than in themselves. Can somebody say amen? And in the New Testament, listen, the New Testament, Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 says this, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. But not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of our sinful nature. Can somebody say amen? You have been made new. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. That's just a pet peeve of mine. When somebody says, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, I understand what people are saying, but if we want to get technical and biblical in Christ, you're not an old sinner anymore. You might sin, and you might do things. I might do things that aren't in alignment with what God wants me to do. I might sin, but fundamentally, foundationally, in my spirit, in your spirit, you are not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. It's all over the Bible. You're the righteousness of God. You're pure. You're upright. You stand before him. And when he sees Jesus, he sees you. That's covenant. You've been circumcised in the heart by the Holy Spirit. And you have a new nature in Christ. Your old nature has been cut off, has been put away. And that's why the Bible says that you're a new creation. Not rebuilt, born again from heaven. Amen. It's so good. I get excited. I'm just preaching to myself. Amen, Pastor Robert. Listen to this last verse as I close. Galatians 3, 1 through 3 says, Oh, foolish Galatians. Paul's writing to the church. He's saying, Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who's put a curse on you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected or matured by the flesh? And the obvious answer is no. What is Paul trying to get across? Paul's trying to get across because of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit and what he started in us moving forward now because of our covenant with God and this forever commitment with God and the circumcision of the heart by the Holy Spirit. We will do our best and grow to the place that God wants us to. 
in this covenant relationship, not by the works of the flesh, but by our faith in the Holy Spirit. That's part of the blessing of Abraham that's been passed down to us because of this covenant exchange that we're privileged to be a part of. Have you been blessed by the word this morning, church? Come on, this is such a good study. Listen, let's stand up and pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you're so patient with us, every single one of us. You're maturing us. You're shaping us. You're molding us. You're giving us revelation. Father, I pray that you would give us a deeper hunger a deeper thirst for your word, a deeper hunger for Jesus. Help us, God, to live under an open heaven, fully accessing everything that you've made available to us through the covenant that we have through Jesus Christ. We bless you and we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife, Yolanda, has a word or two she wants to share from her journal, right? Or whatever she's been jotting down. Please go ahead. Make sure you're loud. Thank you. So, yeah, this is such an incredible study. Um, covenant, there's so much to it. So it's good to delve into it and take it home and study it out because it's, it's life-changing. Um, but I, what I just wanted to share really quickly, um, in remembering those earlier years, you know, when we were just starting to learn about God and God's ways, and we were in that financial mess that we were in. And here we were learning about tithing. We didn't even know what that was, you know. Um, so there was definitely an element of discovery to find out what God had to say. There was um, also trusting in him. Although our faith wasn't strong at that point, you know, it's okay um, to, to be in that position. Sure. God understands that we're not there, but we're, we're trying to discover and we're and trying we're to... Growing. Yeah, we're trying to go his ways. And um, the elimination of human dependency. There's fear in that. Mm. That whole process is somewhat fearful. So in our case, it was a financial challenge. But whatever challenge you may find yourself in, right? Um, the, the, the feelings or the, the process isn't really going to be that much different. It's going to be discovering what does God have to say about this challenge that I'm currently in. Right. Um, there's going to be fear because it's leaving our human dependence, what we normally do in that situation, what we're inclined to do. So there's, there's all these different things that go into this process, right? God is so faithful. God is faithful. If you take him at his word and weak faith and fear and all of it, that, you know, all of that that comes with it, and you just step out in faith, in believing him and trusting him, you'll see that it gets stronger. Your faith gets stronger. And you will see God come through for you. 
I mean, he, that's just who he is. Um, anyways, I just wanted to say that. Thank Do you. Do you have anything you're going to read from that? I'm just curious. Well, that, that prompted my my talk, I oh, guess. Oh, okay. It's oh, all in there already. Whatever it was that I just Great did. Great reminder. Thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate her because she brings the balance. It's okay to have some fear. It's okay to come with wobbly knees. It's, it's okay, right? Parents, training wheels, whatever. God's okay with that. And our faith grows. Remember this. Galatians 2.20 says, The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. His faith in you by the Spirit, just like love, just like joy, just like peace. His faith in you by the Spirit grows. And it grows as we hear the word, as God speaks to our heart. It comes alive. It matures. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger. God's totally okay with that. Have you been blessed today by the word? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.